Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name is Allison. And my name is Mike. And today is the last episode of 2023 because it's New Year's Eve, folks. Yeah. Oh, wow. How about that? It snuck up on us a little bit. Yeah. I Christmas mean, went by in a blur. I can't believe it's over. We took down all of our Christmas decorations, both inside and out, yesterday. Oh, that was a job. I mean, not that there's a ton of things that we put up and everything. It's just mm-hmm. kind of... Like an all-day event, almost. It took us over, I'd say, probably about seven hours. I thought it would be like two. Oh, not me. Yeah. I I was like, don't worry, it'll be done in two. I'll help. And uh, sure enough, it was pretty much all day. Well, I also use it as an opportunity to clean everything and reorganize and like possibly reconfigure the way I have things decorated. It is kind of exciting. Now, I'm definitely talking as a suburbanite here, but sometimes, you know, it's candles in a different place than last time or maybe a place setting of some sort. Uh, Not a place setting. We don't have those out. No, I do not use place settings. I don't know what all these doohickeys are called with like the stuff on them. trays and things. Yeah, trays. There you go. So yeah. some, some trays are in different spots. So things are a little it's bit different. Really exciting in the Pernecki house. <laughs> like when you live in the suburbs, this is kind of like what you live for. This is as good as it gets. It, I mean, it's it's pretty fun. So you never know what, what it's going to get. You know, maybe a, a napkin could be in a different area. I mean, all, we all don't use things. cloth napkins. Mike. No, that's all I can think of is place settings. So I can't <laughs> I don't know where you else. got that idea. I don't know. But we're going to have a wild New Year's Eve. We're going to. Play some games, maybe a little game of Monopoly. Uh, Monopoly deal. Deal, the yeah, card game. The card game. It's it's pretty good. I'm, I mean, anything we talk about is definitely not an advertisement unless I say it is. But uh, yeah, a, a friend introduced me to it. And, we already talked about it. Oh, gotcha. I don't want to cut you off, but no, we please, did talk about it. That's a good it. idea. Yeah. If you want um, to hear more about it, listen to the other episode. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we're going to make a shrimp pasta. Hmm. And stay up till midnight. So for some reason, I think that eating seafood is like a good luck thing. And you asked me like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like it's good luck. Maybe it comes from that pickled herring that your dad used to eat. Yeah. Or still does probably. Oh God, I hated that stuff. It's like, why have it? I mean, we're not living in Sweden or wherever the heck they have it. But um, you are Swedish, I guess, a little bit mm-hmm. maybe. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, we're going to have a little seafood. It should be fun. And uh, the, the, the NFL has games today too. So that's kind of weird. On New Year's Eve, why would that be weird? It's Sunday. I mean, it's Sunday. I know, but it's. I mean, every seven years, I guess it happens because they play on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, and we'll, then tomorrow we'll have collard greens. That is good for I think wealth or something. Yeah, I know black eyed peas are supposed to be good luck too. Anything in that Texas good luck dip that we call it. Um, yeah. But Texas caviar. Mm-hmm. Uh, no fish involved. And then we're doing uh, Gordon Ramsay's beef Wellington tomorrow. Yeah, we're huge Gordon Ramsay fans. Watched all those Hell's Kitchens back in the day. Not anymore because it's kind of contrived. I think now. I mean, it always has been, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be delicious. Yeah, so I, looking forward to that. We're going to do like the mushroom and everything. Like Allison plans all our meals. So yes, I do, and it's just Gordon Ramsay's recipe. It, it does. You finally chop the mushrooms. It'll be yummy. Yeah, I can't wait. So I think that's all I've got. Yeah. Um. Besides that, I mean, it's uh. Yeah. I mean, I don't got anything else. We so. sat and talked about our goals for 2024 together. Oh, and uh, part of the thing that I brought up was because uh, Andrew Huberman, he said to like do five things in the morning. So I, I'm a huge Andrew Huberman fan. He's a, mm-hmm. he has a podcast. He's a scientist out in California. Um, just like he does a lot of health stuff and brings it to the forefront, uh, tries to talk about it in a way that's a little bit more approachable, even though sometimes his podcasts are like two and a half hours of scientific talk, which uh, puts you to sleep, basically. Well, no, I find it interesting. It's when you send me a suggested episode and it's three and a half hours. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time to sit and listen to one guy talk about one topic. It is. I, it is yeah, I, I listen to him when I'm driving. Like I was driving to, for some work stuff and it's like something something to keep my mind occupied, you know. But what I got 
got from him was like these five things he does each morning, which uh, one of them is like gratitudes. So it's kind of just being, you know, generally excited and you know thankful for whatever you have. Well, because it's very easy to focus on the things you want to change. I have a bad habit of that. Yeah. I notice like, oh, our house needs to be painted. This needs to happen. You do. I, I really like focus on that it so much. It makes me hate sitting on the patio with you because it's um, something you're just looking around constantly like, okay, maybe we can watch this and maybe we can get rid of this plant and then replant this. And then and keep in mind, if I didn't live in this house, it would be condemned because Mike wouldn't do any fixer uppers. No, I would hire people to clean the house and I would have a card table and a lazy boy and a nice television. A card table. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you do plans for the day. So number one is five gratitudes. Number two is plans for the day. Just kind of laying out your plans. And then any fears, number three, any fears or resentments that you have. So that's kind of cool because it's like if something's on your shoulders, you know, it's just good to kind of get it out, get it out of your head a little bit so you can kind of prepare for it. Uh, number four things to watch out for. So for me, one day I said like, I know we're getting takeout tonight. So that's something to watch out. Try not to eat too much. Like I always do. And it it's stuck in my head later in the day. I was like, okay, I told myself not to, I planned for this. So this isn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. And I, I ate less. It was kind of nice. And I recently shared on Instagram that I go to sleep hungry and I cry myself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, shush, Mike, I'm trying to sleep over here. Quit crying. Well, one of my goals, you came up with goals and stuff for us too. And it was, uh, not for me one of mine is not eating after 6 30 p.m yeah so, you I, have a habit to snack in the evening i do and it's not good so I, i'm definitely not wanting for or needing for more food if you just take a look at me <laughs> so I, i'm gonna be just fine i think you're handsome thank you thank you and then uh, number five lastly is things to strive for so it's just like a daily thing and whether it's something in the day or in the week or in the month something that you have just kind of a goal for and it's it was really a nice way and i've only done it once so far in the we talked about it two days ago but well we did it on friday i believe it was and then because we had work and then it was the weekend so we came out of the you know habit of it yeah but it is something i think in he stresses it only takes five minutes mm-hmm. it kind of just lets you sit down and have perspective for the day yeah i'm gonna do it every day so i am, I am too should be fun mm-hmm. but that's all so on that note i think we're ready to get started here this episode is a rough one um the beginning will describe what happens at this crime scene and it is just vicious and brutal so this is the murder of reagan hancock so it was october 9th 2020 and the new boston police department in new boston texas received a frantic 911 call at approximately 10 18 a.m it was a woman's voice and she was screaming Someone killed my baby. Oh, no. When the officers arrived at 200 Austin Street, they were met with a hysterical and inconsolable Jessica Brooks, who was the mother of Reagan Hancock, her adult daughter. So when she's saying my baby, it is her baby, because once you have a child, you know, they're always your baby, but it is an adult. Okay. So Reagan Michelle Simmons Hancock was born on November 14th, 1998. That's her daughter's birthday to parents Jessica and Marcus Brooks in Hope, Arkansas. She was described as a beautiful soul. She was a joy for all those that knew her. Reagan was a member of the J.C. Cowboy Church. She worked as a customer service representative with Flyer Burger in Texarkana, Texas. J.C. Cowboy, is that like Jesus Christ Cowboy? I don't know. I didn't look it up. Do they have like a logo of him, like kind of bucking on a Bronco or something? Maybe. You can use your imagination and it can be whatever logo you want it to be. Well, Jesus can do whatever he wants. That's right. So in 2019, Reagan married her husband. This was Homer Hancock, which I love that name. Wow, what a name. And the couple welcomed their first daughter, Kinley. At this, at the time of this story, Kinley was three and Reagan was 34 weeks pregnant with her second daughter, which they had already named Braxlyn Sage. 
She was one month away from her November 10th, 2020 due date. So on the morning of October 9th, 2020, Jessica, who was extremely close with her daughter, she received a phone call from Homer who said that he was concerned. He was unable to reach Reagan that morning, but the reason why he was trying to reach her was because he had gotten a text from a neighbor who found their family dog wandering around outside. So the neighbor went over to their house. He found that their garage door was open. He knocked on the door, but nobody answered. So that's where Homer called um, Reagan's mom and said, hey, can you go over? So Jessica assured Homer that she would head over right away to check on her daughter. On her way, Jessica stopped off at Kinley's daycare. She was alarmed when she was told that Kinley wasn't there because that was the usual routine because then Reagan would go off to work. So as Jessica made her way to her daughter's house, she was filled with concern and dread. She considered calling the police as she drove, but she didn't want to jump the gun. She didn't know what to expect. Yeah. So instead, she called her husband. This is Marcus. And Marcus told her to just go over and see if Reagan's car was there. So when Jessica pulled up to the Hancock home, she noticed that not only was Reagan's car there, but the garage door had been left open just as the neighbor found it. This was not typical for the couple. It was their habit to get out of their cars, go in the house, and close the door. So as Jessica pulled up and got out of the car, right away she's met with something that's not right. She was shocked to see streaks of blood on the driveway. She tried to convince herself that maybe the dog had cut their paw. So she walked up the driveway and she saw that there was also blood in the doorknob. When she cracked open the door, she was just you know, petrified at this point as to what she was going to find. Mm. So she opened the door only wide enough to see a bloody shoe print on the kitchen floor. Oh, no. So at that point, she didn't yet enter the house. So initially, Jessica could not bear to enter the home. She backed out into the garage. It's because once you go in there, you can't ever unsee what you see. You can't ever, like, you know your life could potentially change forever once you enter that home. Yeah, especially all the clues you've seen already. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is not going to be good. All signs are pointing to not good. So she told herself, if my baby is in there and she's hurt, I have got to get her. So when she mustered up the courage to go inside, she saw in horror that Reagan was laying on the floor face down with an arm over her head. Her blonde hair was stained red from blood. The house, which was normally in perfect order, was found in disarray. It was clear to Jessica that her daughter was gone, but she was unable to accept it, and she shouted Reagan's name over and over. The house was eerily quiet, and Jessica called 911 at that point. She fell to her knees in grief. So now she's waiting for the officers to respond, and her husband, who is also Reagan's dad, this is Marcus, he arrived with his best friend, Chris Hughes. Jessica begged Marcus not to go inside the house. He did not want him to have to face what he, what she saw. She didn't want him to see his beloved daughter in that state. But regardless, he did rush into the home and he walked back outside. His hand was covering his mouth and all he could repeat was, why, why? So Marcus collapsed in the driveway. He began to have chest pains. As they stayed on the driveway, it suddenly occurred to them to wonder where Kinley was. Because at this point in time, they're all just in shock processing what they've just seen. Now they're having a moment to get their thoughts together and realize that their three-year-old granddaughter wasn't dropped off at daycare. Of course. I mean, your whole life has just changed for the worse. And mm -hmm. now it's like, oh my God, we still have our grandchild. Where is she? 
So at this point, they're in shock. They could not bring themselves to go back into the house. They were just terrified. They've already seen their daughter in that way. They were terrified of what else they were to find. So Chris, being, you know, kind of the outside man, he walked around the house. This is Marcus's friend. Okay. And he was peering into the windows and, you know, because he found the front door locked. So now he's looking through the windows around the house. And as he was around back, they could hear him shouting, she's in there, she's in there. So Marcus called into the house, and again, he's unable to re-enter. So he's trying to see what he could hear and calling Kinley's name. Unable to re-enter? Like he, he just, just couldn't bring himself to... He'd have to walk over his daughter's body to get to where he needed to be. So they could hear the faint voice of their three-year-old granddaughter. Because he could not stand the idea of crossing the living room and stepping over his daughter's lifeless body, Chris volunteered to go inside. That's super nice. So Chris entered the house in search of Kinley. So as Chris made his way around the pools of blood, he called out to Kinley until he found her in the back bedroom. Kinley was hiding under a blanket, cowering in fear. Jeez, her whole life is like, isn't she, what, she three? Three. Oh and she gosh. witnessed what happened to her mom. She might not, like, remember it, but it's going to affect her whole life. Right. So as she saw Chris's familiar face, she jumped from the bed and ran into his arms. As he took her from the house, he covered Kinley's face with a blanket so that she wouldn't have to see her mother's body. Nice but it's guy. the belief that she probably witnessed this whole thing happen. And heard a lot of stuff at oh, the yeah. very, very least. The house was absolutely destroyed with some sort of scuffle and fight. So <sighs> it was not unnoticed. Yeah. So soon after, Homer arrived and Marcus and Jessica convinced him not to go in that house and just to wait for the police. Body cam footage showed the moment that the police entered the home and found a white female lying face down in a pool of blood on the living room floor. The walls, appliances, and furniture were streaked with blood. They found a child's bathing suit soaked in blood on the living room floor. It was likely used to wipe something up. A used diaper was found in a pool of blood next to the couch. Mark Sullivan, who was from the Texarkana, Texas Police Department crime scene investigator, he later said he didn't think it was placed there until after the murder. So some things may be from cleanup or staged, not sure. So the couch had a huge blood stain on the corner, as well as a clumping of Reagan's hair. Police assumed that she had been leaning against the couch at some point. A blanket was on the floor. It was covered in blood and bodily fluids. They found a four-pound jar from the Hancock's wedding that they had filled with sand. It was on the floor. It was covered in blood. There was another jar from the wedding, also on the dining room floor, smeared with blood. Blood streaks and splatter were on the walls of the, and the front door. There was extensive defensive root wounds on Reagan's body. One of her fingers had nearly been severed while the other had been dislocated. Wow. Fingerprints were found at the scene as well as shoe prints that did not belong to Reagan. There was a fracture to Reagan's skull that appeared to be caused from the jar of sand from the wedding that was found on the floor. Watery blood stains were found in the kitchen and bathroom. This led investigators to believe that the killer had gone in there and tried to wash up before leaving. When EMS arrived, they rolled Reagan's body over and discovered that there was a massive slash wound to her abdomen. She had been cut from hip to hip and her uterus had been sliced open. It had been removed. I'm going to guess she was pregnant, maybe. Well, I said that. She was eight months pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Her due date. She was one month from her due date at this point. 
Reagan wasn't the only victim in this case. Also, her unborn baby girl, Braxlyn. Oh, my God. In eight months, that's like fully developed, basically. To their shock and horror, they found that Braxlyn was gone. Oh, my God. This is nuts. I mean, every single story is so horrible, and this uh, sucks so bad. So an autopsy later found a scalpel was lodged in the back of Reagan's neck. There were extensive cuts, scrapes, and bruises, as well as blunt force trauma to her head. There were 100 stab and slash wounds on Reagan's body, including 39 on her scalp alone. Her neck had several slashes, as well as the medical, and the medical examiner couldn't rule out that she could have possibly been strangled, but there was so much damage and wounds there, it was hard to say. Her nose had been broken, her skull had been fractured in five separate places from five separate blows to the head, likely from the flat end of a claw hammer, as well as the wedding jar. In the meantime, about 15 minutes away, a state trooper in DeKalb had pulled a Toyota Corolla over at 9.37 a.m. So this is before the 911 call came in about Reagan. So the officer noticed a car speeding and driving erratically. When the officer approached the car, he found a woman in the driver's seat with an infant in her lap. He saw that there was an umbilical cord that was still attached to the baby's body, and it was appearing that it was coming from the woman's pants. This is absolutely <laughs> nuts. It is nuts. And this is something like a movie, and you'd be like, I don't know if no. anybody would do this. This, this actually happened a few years ago. So he saw that an umbilical cord. Okay, so he saw the umbilical cord. So the driver of this car is 27-year-old Taylor Renee Parker. She was in the car performing CPR on the infant. EMS had Taylor and the baby transferred to the Idabel, Oklahoma hospital. So after the ambulance left, an officer searched Taylor's car. He found a bloodstained blanket and pillow on the passenger seat, as well as bloodstained diaper bag. Inside the diaper bag, there were newborn baby clothes. Some still had the tags attached, diapers and baby blankets, things you would find in a baby or in a diaper bag. So meanwhile, as the ambulance made its way to the hospital, EMT Kelly Gerald tended to Taylor and the baby. He found that Taylor's vitals were normal. He saw no evidence of any kind of hemorrhaging. He did empath empathize with her on the way to the hospital because he had lived through the trauma of losing a baby. So he's empathizing with this woman who gave birth to a baby in the car, and now the baby is looking like it's not going to survive. As far as he knows. As far as he knows. This yeah, is the I information mean, he's presented you're with. You're not assuming that she tore the baby out of somebody else. You would certainly not assume that. So Taylor told EMT Elton Crossland that she had been driving down the road when her water broke and the baby just came out. It was just that simple. So Elton was doubting her story. He noted that the blood and the fluids that were found on the infant had started to dry, and it didn't appear that the baby had been born as recently as Ta Taylor was claiming it had been. Because as far as her story was indicated, she gave birth right then and there in the car. The umbilical cord was still coming out of her pants, and she was performing CPR on her baby. Everything would have been fresh at that point. So he felt it was obvious that the baby was not born in that car. So when paramedics arrived on the scene, the infant did not have a heartbeat. While en route to the hospital, she had been given epinephrine and she was intubated while CPR continued and they did restore a heartbeat. It was not strong. When Idabel Police Department Detective Johnny Voss arrived at the hospital, he spoke with the nurse that was caring for the infant who at the time was clinging to life. 
The doctors determined that despite the severity of the baby's condition, the baby would not survive transferring to another hospital that would have been more appropriate because it would have offered a higher level of care. She wouldn't have, have survived that. Yeah. So tragically, the baby was pronounced dead later that day. The nurse was holding vigil at the baby's side so that she did not die alone. Mm-hmm. Hospital staff informed the police that Taylor had not given birth. When Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation Special Agent Chad Dansby arrived to interview Taylor, the jig was up. She admitted that she had gotten into a physical altercation with Reagan and abducted the baby. Holy cow. The, obviously, all these stories are some guy coming in and doing this. And right. So a woman did this a to 27 a woman. year old woman did this to a 21 year old woman. Oh, my gosh. The brutality of it all. I mean, so, some the hemorrhaging and possible choking and all this. Oh, it was brutal. Oh, multiple stab wounds. Oh, like, 100 stab wounds, five fractures to the skull. I mean, this was absolutely brutal. Yeah, I can't wait to hear how they knew each other, where this came from. I mean, there's never a good explanation, obviously. This person's out of her mind. Oh, and I'll give you the full backstory about what went on that led up to this day. Not that I can't wait. I'm just No, I know what you mean. So police later found that Reagan knew Taylor because she had hired her to take their engagement photos. The two had little contact until Reagan announced her pregnancy and contemplated contacting Taylor to do another pregnancy photo shoot for her current pregnancy. So that's the only way they knew each other. She reached out to her from a Facebook ad or whatever it might yeah. have been and just been like, hey, can you take our photos? Yeah, sure. So it's just like us scrolling through Facebook, seeing somebody to take pictures and like, yeah, let's take our family photos. Mm-hmm. And they were like in touch here and there. I saw that Reagan had wished Taylor a happy birthday on Facebook. So they definitely had some level of communication. So Taylor eventually told Reagan that she was unable to hold a a photo shoot since she had been dealing with medical issues. Despite this, Taylor and Reagan did get together on October 7th, which was two days before Reagan was brutally murdered. Jessica had been surprised to hear this since her daughter, Jessica is Reagan's mom, her daughter didn't normally hang out with Taylor. So following the deaths of both now her daughter and granddaughter, Jessica posted to Facebook, our beautiful daughter, Reagan Hancock, and her precious unborn baby girl, Braxlin, were murdered yesterday by Satan in the flesh. Our family, friends, and community are rocked to the core. Our Reagan was one of the most precious people you would ever meet. Police soon found that Taylor had been spinning an elaborate web of lies that had gotten so tangled, excuse me, that she was not getting fact from fiction right like she was so deep in the these lies that they had become reality to her well to go to the point where you're murdering somebody (laughs) and stealing their baby out of their body i mean you have to be pretty far gone so Mm -hmm. you have to have told yourself many many things and obviously not be right in the head yeah and i'll tell you all about the lies so little did reagan know that her as her life was filled with excitement and the anticipation of welcoming their baby girl into the world, Taylor had been faking a pregnancy. Taylor's mother, Shauna Pryor, was aware of her daughter's manipulative ways since Taylor had been a child. While Taylor attended elementary school in Mount Pleasant, she was very active in sports. She had been a typical student who earned good grades. When third grade began, her mom noticed that Taylor was frequently complaining of stomach issues. Shauna later found that Taylor's stomach issues were not related to the stress of issues with her teacher. By the time fourth grade started, Taylor's problems seemed to resolve. When she was 12, her parents went through a divorce. 
Taylor's father, Morton, tried to maintain custody. When he would come to get the kids, he and Shauna would fight. He often used their children as pawns during the divorce. Taylor spent much of her time with their dad, who tended to put himself before his kids, while her brother, Zachary, often stayed with the mother. When Morton eventually moved into his mother's house, Taylor went with and was living with her grandma and her dad at this point. So while living with her grandmother, Peggy, Shauna noticed that Taylor was quickly gaining weight. Peggy had been a heavy set person who used food to comfort herself. She was comforting her granddaughter in the same way. And by age 14, Taylor had reached 250 pounds as she was entering high school. When she was 17, Taylor got pregnant. She dropped out of um, school before she gave uh, birth to a baby girl. She had little to no relationship with the baby's father. So in 2014, Taylor's aunt took her to Tijuana to have gastric bypass surgery. At the time, she had reached about 300 pounds. Yeesh, going to Tijuana <laughs> for the gastric bypass. I've That's heard of people doing this. Desperation, huh? So that same year, she married a man named Tommy, and they had a son together. After her son was born in 2014, Taylor opted to have a tubal ligation. So at this point in time, she's given birth to a girl and a boy, and now she's having her tubes tied. Okay, so we're not even talking about somebody who <laughs> wanted a baby her whole life and just you know, whatever she wanted, then found out she couldn't have a baby and whatever. It, this isn't, no. That's kind of such... Not that that would even be close to acceptable. I'm just saying like where she might be coming from. No, she so has person, two of her own children. Yeah. And, and opted to have her tubes tied. Right. It is her choice. Yes. Okay. So um, in August of 2015, she was having issues with severe pelvic pains, so so they determined that she needed surgery. And during the surgery, the doctor made the decision that Taylor needed a hysterectomy due to damage from endometriosis. So at the time this was found, Taylor was under anesthesia. So the doctor had to come out and talk to Shauna and Tommy, her husband, so that they had to consent to this. Oh, get it out, you know? I mean, if right. it's causing you pain. This... Well, and it was severely damaged, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, I know it's really bad for hormone. It sucks that you're having to make a major life decision for somebody that's under. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Tommy was hesitant. He was fearing that Taylor would be upset. But Shauna stood firm that they should do what the doctor recommended. So they went ahead and, and did the hysterectomy. At the time that Shauna, Taylor's mom, is saying this, she had no idea that Taylor had undergone a tubal ligation. So already she wouldn't have been able to have kids again. She already did have more kids, I should say. She um, felt that Taylor did express some anger about the hysterectomy when she came out of surgery likely because she wanted more children. This is Shauna's thoughts, not knowing that she had the tubal ligation. Right. So in a random text message that Taylor sent her mom, she asked for her mom's uterus. And Shauna <laughs> responded, WTF, why? Do you think it's detachable? And Taylor responded, yes, it's detachable. Cut here, snip there, same thing y'all did to mine. Like, are you joking, Ooh. or do you honestly think it works that way? I mean, that's when you got to start worrying about your daughter a little bit. I mean, you know, jokingly or whatever, that's that's different. But if it's like, seriously, can you give me a uterus? It's like, no, no, yeah, I can't. it doesn't work that way. So around Thanksgiving of 2015, Taylor told Shauna that she woke up at 4 a.m. with a headache and she saw stars. During church that day, Taylor's grandma felt that Taylor's face didn't look right. One eye seemed to be drooping. So as the day went on, Taylor did go to the ER. Doctors found no signs of a stroke. They diagnosed her with complicated migraines. Shauna later said that Taylor had vision issues and issues walking and talking at times after that. Taylor underwent treatment with various neurologists and multiple, multiple scler sclerosis was talked about. 
but as a potential diagnosis. It had not been diagnosed at this point. So now a year later, we're moving on to May 2016. Taylor met this woman named Caitlin Glass. She had recently been diagnosed with MS. So she, Taylor, and another woman with MS formed this support group and got matching Celtic tattoos as a symbol of new beginnings. So Taylor has not been diagnosed with MS. So at the time, Caitlin never had reason to believe that her friend was lying about her MS diagnosis. As time went on, she started to notice concerning patterns. She would get admitted to the hospital, Caitlin would, and then um, Taylor would come to visit her. So Caitlin's admitted for an MS flare. Taylor comes to visit her, and then she is admitted to the hospital herself for a supposed MS flare. It was Mm. like copying. It's almost like she looked to see what the signs were and then Mm -hmm. tried to do them herself, mimic them. So the doctor that Taylor was seeing didn't believe that she did have MS and maintained that any issues were just related to migraines. So, of course, Taylor stopped seeing this person because he wasn't giving her the answer she wanted. So as time went on, Caitlin continued to notice more and more inconsistencies in the stories that Taylor was telling her. When Caitlin joined a Jeep club and Taylor quickly followed suit, then the friendship began to crumble because Caitlin's noticing more and more things. excuse me so taylor and tommy were absolutely not in the financial position to afford a jeep but tommy wanted to keep his wife happy so she purchased one so caitlin felt that taylor was extremely superficial she began to notice that despite the fact that she was married she was flirting with other men at the jeep club and on one outing she actually cheated on tommy and spent the night in the tent with another man Mm. when caitlin called taylor out she claimed that tommy was abusive But Caitlin believed that Taylor was inflicted these bruises herself. Oh, my gosh. She is bat batty. Yeah, there's a lot of red flags here. So more and more lies are coming to the surface about Taylor's past. And even as her friendship ended, Taylor continued to mirror events of the life based on Caitlin's past. Man, this is just a girl you want to get out of your life, but at the same time, you're like, I don't want to you know, make her too mad because God knows what she's capable of. Yeah, it's like you're slowly backing out of the room. So Caitlin had gotten into a car accident and suffered muscle damage to her arm, and this was a story that Taylor claimed as her own. On social media, she offhandedly presented herself as a medical school student. The one truth that Taylor had told Caitlin was that she had a hysterectomy, So when Taylor later announced that she was pregnant, Caitlin knew this was another lie. So in July of 2019, Taylor met a man named Wade Griffin. He was a 27-year-old roofing supervisor, and they met at a local rodeo. So Wade was quickly taken by Taylor's beauty, and soon she met his mom, Connie. Taylor quickly began to weasel her way into the family, bringing casserole to Connie's, who she knew was working long hours. Connie was pleased with what she uh, saw and felt that Taylor would be good for Wade. That's the initial impression. So Taylor presented herself as the perfect girlfriend. Well, she's used to kind of being a chameleon and changing and, you know, has all these different experiences of things she didn't actually have. So I'm sure she could put on a good face. So Wade would text her from work and say he had a taste for something just offhandedly. And when he would come home, Taylor would have the meal ready to eat. And Wade was a guy who loved food, so food was the way to his heart. She began managing his house, his livestock, and dealing with his finances. Taylor told Wade that she was from an extremely wealthy family, despite the fact that she's working two part-time jobs. 
So one is at an OBGYN clinic and the other is at a staffing agency. He asked little to no questions. He felt it was none of his business. You're like, eh, well, you know, she's got plenty of money. I probably have access to it. We'll just let it, let it lie. So Taylor told Wade that her grandmother created an account to put proceeds from the family's gas and oil royalties and said that she had access to this money. Taylor asked Wade to clear a fence on a family property that she had access to. This job was estimated to cost $50,000, but she's like, oh, no problem. I'm wealthy. So she asked if he would hire his friend Juan to help with the job. So he's calling on Juan, and Juan received only one paycheck before Taylor claimed that her mother, who is the executor of the family's account, had shut the job down and forbade Taylor from spending the money. So at this point, Wade is now paying Jose because he felt so terrible. He's a close friend. He's desperate for work because he had four children. And in the meantime, after only a couple of weeks of dating, Taylor promised to give Wade the the deed to 800 acres of land. Uh Like she's making these pie-in-the-sky promises. Wow. So around the same time, Wade came home and found baby gear on the counter. Taylor explained that they were having twins. Weeks later, Taylor used an app to pose as her father and texted Wade informing him that there had been an accident and Taylor was struck in the stomach and one of the babies was hurt. Soon, both babies that never existed were now gone. So she faked a miscarriage. True, man. That's, uh, that's a lot. I mean, this chick, she, she spends more time all day pretty much concocting these schemes and like the stories behind them than actually being a useful member of society. Right. So while Wade remained charmed by Taylor, those around him began to notice concerning things. When they went out to dinner with his boss and his boss's wife, Angela, Angela noticed that Taylor's over-the-top friendliness just did not seem genuine. Connie, Wade's mom, began to see through the charm as well. One issue that she found concerning was that Taylor didn't have custody of her son. I'm not sure about the daughter, but she wondered why. What was going on there? You got to think that she doesn't have access to either one. I'm just going to assume that. I would assume that. So soon, Taylor began to refer to her family's fortune again and told Wade that she would soon be inheriting millions of dollars from her grandfather who owned some oil wells. During a holiday gathering, Taylor made a big announcement to the family that they were planning on purchasing a $4.7 million property on the Red River. Taylor offered $3.5 million and put down $200,000. Taylor told Wade that she had $6 million and she wanted to purchase the land to make money off of it. Man, so this, I mean, this is just one of those things that she was thinking about for months and months and be like, okay, so I'm going to say that, and like, she, she's talking to herself in her own head saying, I am buying this property. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to make this big announcement in front of everybody. And she's like, just talking herself up probably in her head. Like everybody's going to love it. She loves the, the reaction of people and how, how she can like manipulate them. You know, like, do you think she believed it at this point? I think she probably like a portion of her was like, yeah, I, I am. Cause you have to sell it to yourself to be believable in front of people but (sighs) obviously you know you can tell after a few times it's like okay she's full of it so now she's reaching out to a real estate agent in early december about the property she presented herself instead of this oil thing that she's going with as in terms of her money now she's the heiress to the blackburn syrup fortune 
So she occasionally used her name hyphenated with Wade's while she was talking with this estate agent, despite the fact that they weren't married. She made a huge show of her fortune on that party in front of Wade's family. And, you know, they were all happy because she's telling them that they could utilize the property for duck hunting anytime they'd like. So they're excited about it. They're like, sweet. They think she's fantastic. Like, Mm -hmm. Wade, great job. She's awesome. So this real estate agent worked with Taylor for four months. Oh my gosh, so much wasted time. Oh, this person wasted so much time. They were trying to verify funds for the down payment, and each time the funding failed to come through. He eventually received two separate checks from Taylor for $150,000 each. She quickly asked for them back. Wade himself was also continuing to receive official-looking documents. At one point, he tried to cash a check for $8 million. <laughs> he walks into his bank with a check for $8 million, And the bank is like, yeah, we don't normally handle that kind of money. It's normally transferred by wire. Yeah. I, I, who knows? I don't know. I've never deposited a check for $8 million. Every time I deposit $8 million <laughs> or receive $8 million, uh, it's usually ACH. That's okay. what we call it. All right, good. Because yeah. I wouldn't know that. you got to make sure I know that <laughs> next time. I don't want to embarrass myself. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll handle it. So the real estate agent continued to pursue the sale because this would give him a uh, commission check of $1.5 million. So he's like, I'm going forward with this. But in late April of 2020, Taylor texted him and informed him that the sale would not be happening. I mean, she was running out of things she could possibly do at this point. (laughs) She felt bad. She's like, you're still believing me. This is crazy. Um, Yeah, just coming up with everything. So those that were fooled by Taylor's lies expressed that she was an exceptionally convincing person. At one point, she purchased a Nissan Altima platinum car for Wade as a surprise since it was exactly the car he wanted. A few weeks later, she told him that the brake pedal had been recalled. He never saw the car again. Two or three weeks later, Connie called the dealership because she's like, this is bullcrap. And of course, she confirmed that the car had never been recalled. It was repossessed. So the lies just continued. Taylor convinced Wade's dad that she would replace his barn that had burned down. But like everything else, this fell through. You know why she was so believable? Because she was telling people what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And she like was, they're what they wanted to do, see, hear. Yeah. Like imagine somebody walking up to you and telling you, oh, yeah, you know that like Tesla you really wanted or whatever car you're wanting, you know, Ferrari. Yeah, I can get it for you. And I would be glad to do it. And it's like, are you, you're joking. She's like, no, seriously, I, I would love to. I have tons of money. It's right. Like, you'd be so happy. You wouldn't even think like, oh, she's full of crap. You know? And the way she's presenting it is she has so much money that a Nissan Platinum, whatever, Ultima would be nothing. It would be a blip on the radar. Now, Wade, you know, he pr- should probably have caught on at this point because there's so many things that fell through that, you know, didn't happen. But he right. he wanted to make, you know, you want to think positively. Right. And he loves this woman or likes her a lot. And yeah, he, you know, and again, she's very convincing. So Wade and Taylor continued to spend money that they did not have. They purchased an ATV worth $29,000, a truck for $92,000, and cattles for a ranch that would not exist for $21,000. By January of 2020, Wade was up to his eyeballs in debt, and the relationship was absolutely beginning to crumble. One month later, she knew she was losing Wade. She had to do something to pull him back in. So once again, she's pregnant. This is where it all begins and what leads us to the start of the story is this pregnancy. So despite the mounting bills and supposed baby on the way, Taylor continued to convince Wade that money would be coming in as soon as 
as soon as possible. So, you know, they're making more purchases time and time again. This time they're buying a $63,000 tractor. I mean, we're talking big purchases. Soon the tractor was repossessed and the cashier's check was found to be fake. So despite the fact that Taylor could not physically conceive a baby, her phony pregnancy became her latest obsession. She needed to make the story into reality in order to keep Wade in her life. So she was so desperate to mm-hmm. keep Wade. Anything that she needed to do was going to be done. Because obviously she's a you know conniving, uh, manipulative like just in person because she's making these fake cashier checks. She's like, this is fraud. Like All this mm-hmm. stuff is highly illegal. And, and the time she spends doing it all. Yeah. Go make some real money. So, you know, she's now, they're not sure what her initial plan was. When she first said this to Wade, how did she think it was going to end? Sounds like she just says stuff and then figures it out from there. Because we know the first pregnancy with the twins, it ended in a fake, you know, miscarriage. But this one, did she go in thinking, I am going to find a baby, or did that somehow evolve as the months ticked by? We don't know. So had the timing of Reagan's contact about the pregnancy photo shoot just been convenient or had she targeted her all along knowing that she was pregnant? We don't know. So Taylor's ex-husband Tommy heard whispers that Taylor was claiming to be pregnant as early as January of 2020. Since they were still married in 2015 when she had her hysterectomy, he knew scientifically this was not possible. (laughs) He reached out to Wade using an anonymous phone number in early 2020 and warned him that Taylor could not be pregnant. That is a good brother-to-brother thing. I know he's not his actual brother. I'm just saying, like, man-to-man. Like, that's a really nice move by this Tommy guy. Just saying, hey, man, uh, she she doesn't have a uterus. So, you know, believe me, I know. uh, I was in the hospital when the surgeon came out, and we had to make the decision. It's not possible. So Wade, however, was convinced that these texts were coming from Taylor's mom, who she convinced Wade was an evil and vindictive person that was basically trying to ruin her life. Ah. So there was always an answer for something. Sure. So Taylor would come home from her doctor's visits with paperwork that showed her lab work was looking great. Wade Lou Wade Lou easy for me to say. Wade knew little about pregnancy. Wade is a pretty simple guy. He works with his hands. He likes food. He likes to come home. You know, that sounds like he keep his belly full. He's not yeah, going to ask a lot of questions. Exactly. So he did start to question. He asked his mom why Taylor wasn't showing. He wondered if it was because after her gastric bypass surgery, she had a tummy tuck. Connie assured him that this was not the case. And eventually questioned Taylor as to why she wasn't gaining weight or showing. Well, how, how far along is she supposed to be at this point? Like five or six months, probably. probably. You, you guess, be like, so, uh, honey, um, why aren't you showing, you know, if you're pregnant here? I mean, I hate to ask this question, but, you know, uh, oh, man, that had to be awkward. But time is going by, and she purchased a crib on Facebook Marketplace. She bought baby bedding online. So not only is she not making any money, maybe a little bit through photography or whatever, but she's actually spending more. Now. She also works two part-time jobs. <laughs> So, um, in March, friends of the couple even hosted a gender reveal party and announced that they were having a baby girl. There are photos posted on Facebook, and she continued to post pregnancy updates online. Taylor and Wade discussed potential baby names, and they settled on Clancy Gale. So, as Wade stuck by Taylor's side through his friends doubting her authenticity and intent, the friendships began to crumble around him. So, you know, people are like, man, you are like not seeing reality. 
and he's losing friendships. Wait, wait. People are getting mad at Wade for Well, they're telling Wade, oh. Wade, she is not genuine. Something's okay. going on gotcha. here. He's not listening, so his friendships are crumbling. So Taylor seemed to grow a large baby baby bump seemingly overnight. Almost like it was a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. So in order to continue the ruse, Taylor ordered a fake silicone baby belly from a website that exists. I went to it. It's called fakeababy.com. Oh, man, how could you run what that website? What the hell? And there's tons of reviews. Fakeababy.com. Fakeababy.com. Like, this is sick. They sell silicone baby bumps of various stages. Holy A 20-week baby belly, a 30-week baby belly, a 40-week baby belly. There are sonogram photos you can order from them. You can put the baby's gestation, yada, yada, yada. Okay, Uh one thing, this is why America is the greatest country in the world. You can make money off of absolutely anything. And this psych- psychopath uh, put this out there to say, hey, crazy ladies, you want to pretend that you're pregnant? Go ahead. And I mean, is there, I, before I get too nuts, is there any like legit reason to fake a pregnancy? Well, okay. No, here. So this is what I thought. I'm sitting on the couch being like, what the fuck? Uh, before fake I get a baby, before I get too judgy. Like so I, I was immediately judgy and I went to the website to see what in the hell is going on here. And there are thousands of reviews. This is amazing. I tricked my husband and played the best joke on him. Oh, jokes. Okay. That's April not funny Fools. to me. I don't find that funny. No, um, my aunt did that once and I was so excited for her that she was pregnant and then she said it's fake and i was like oh that sucks i consider myself to have a decent sense of humor i love to laugh and make jokes i'm very dry and sarcastic i don't find that funny i find that weird yeah i would never do that to you (sighs) never i'd be so sad i'd be so hurt i'd be you know excited first be like oh my gosh you're pregnant well i you know it can't happen for various reasons at least for me well on your end because you've been snipped yeah or as the kids like to say neutered or what do they say do they say neutered cam says castrated sometimes yeah and i was like i'll show you i'm not castrated boy (laughs) please don't but um yeah it's so i guess jokes but i don't find it funny not at all and if you're a person that does this you're not not nice something's not right there and obviously if you're faking further th- like obviously they're making a lot of money if they're all these reviews there well i always wonder the same thing about those babies they make that are real life looking babies and weigh the amount that a, a baby would weigh Never heard I, of that. I oh it's it's like people have done things online where they convince their followers that they've had a baby and it's dying and they get all this money <sighs> and it comes from these sites that i see them in magazines sometimes it has the feel and look of a real baby the weight of a baby i'm like Oh, that's scary. Like, you know, I, my another thought is that, okay, maybe it's just from overseas or whatever, and they're just trying to make money. It's like, but there's still a human being behind the idea. Right, of and people are buying it. Yeah. Like, how Who's do you go to sleep Who's buying a fucking silicone belly and strapping it to their body? I, not me. I don't know. I mean, know. maybe for Halloween. That's the only thing I could possibly... Halloween or theater. Yes, yes. That's it. I had some fake boobs for one Halloween. You, you know, did. That made sense, and they were awesome They looking. were huge. I loved them. <laughs> and uh, I still I, I got rid of them, because, you know, just, it wasn't healthy having it in the yeah, house. Yeah, it's just a little weird to have a set of breasts don't want the house. kids coming across those no. and uh yeah so it, oh man bad things yeah so she also used this to get custom ultrasound photos with the gestation sex of the baby the physician's name you fill in the blank wade indicated that he never saw any evidence of any kind of packaging for a false belly and you know obviously she's going to be a little smarter than that she's going to dispose of it elsewhere well and also the place isn't going to say hey fake babybelly.com it's going to be like you know coded yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would come in packaging. Who knows? 
But um, Wade said that, though, there was no arguing with Taylor about anything because she was always right and she always won. Well, yeah, and you can't bring it's kind of like there's certain people in your life where, you know, if you try to bring up like factual things, they're just like they can't see it. Mm-mm. We see that a lot in politics now. And it's just like, you know, okay, it's not even worth. Yeah, I about. refuse to have those conversations. So each morning, Wade would hear Taylor in the bathroom. She would be vomiting because she had morning sickness. She was so convincing that her friends even claimed to have felt the baby move. That's how convincing she was. Because you want that to be real. You want you, you don't expect, okay, this is fake. You're like, Who oh does my that? gosh, wow, it did kick. And Wade said he never felt the baby move. So because of her pregnancy was taking place in the COVID pandemic, this worked in her favor. So no one was able to attend the appointments with her, which made her the lie easier oh wow what a time for her yes it just the timing worked out that's my first thought Wade, why aren't she at these appointments right wouldn't they let the father in i i know that women were giving birth in hospitals by themselves yeah i know that too so taylor claimed that her due date was on september 17th so starting on september 14th taylor began making online searches obviously that we're learning this after the fact She's making online searches about where pregnant women could be found. Oh, my God. Maternity consignment shops, OBGYN clinics. She made appointments at these clinics that she attended. She was seen both inside and outside on their security surveillance. While in the parking lot, she would search up the Texas license plate numbers online of the people she was seeing going into these appointments. Wow. So in September of 2020, Tommy, again, knowing that this is absolutely not possible, that his ex-wife is pregnant, and he knows it's coming up to this alleged due date of the 17th of September, he again texted Wade on September 11th. It's funny how Taylor is pregnant, but every hospital within a 60-mile radius is watching out for her because they're scared she's going to come in and steal a baby because there is no possible way that she's pregnant, and they all know that because they have the hospital records. So, to wait, uh, were they actually looking for her? I don't know if they actually were. I don't think so. I think he's just saying this right. in text. So on September 16th, now we're a day before her due date, he's texting again. I'm reaching out to you because I feel like it's the ethical thing to do. In 2015, Taylor had a hysterectomy. She is not pregnant. She cannot get pregnant. She is a con artist and she is lying to keep you around. So Tommy knew it was possible to, like anything is possible. Anything is possible at this point. They don't know what the end game is going to be. And he's worried, but he's like, okay, I don't want to like, you know, call the cops and be like she's going to steal a baby because maybe she won't have that much you know craziness in her maybe she's just going to fuss up and finally be found you know you want that hope that like finally she's going to be found out but he knows that this alleged due date is approaching and he's like something this is crazy because she's not ending it she's not faking a miscarriage so he's like where where will this end So she's saying, you know, or he's saying she's a con artist. She's lying to keep you around. I'm sure you have not been to one single doctor's appointment with her for whatever reason. He explained that the sonogram that she had been sharing with was from. So in addition to these ones she purchased on fakeababy.com, she also was using a sonogram from when she was pregnant with their daughter, with her and Tommy's daughter. So as her fabricated fabricated due date neared, Tommy told Wade to be careful because she lied so much and for so long that she couldn't get out, and he worried about how far she was going to go with this lie. 
So now we're past the due date. It's September 20th. And Taylor went to an OBGYN clinic in Paris, Texas. It was an hour away from where she was living. She went and uh, made a new patient appointment. The receptionist found Taylor in the waiting room crying. She told the receptionist that her husband had been killed while he was in the military and her mom was supposed to come to her appointment, but she couldn't make it. She asked if she could reschedule her appointment. She'd caused such a scene in the lobby of the doctor's office that even the doctor had come out to comfort her. And to make her feel better, the doctor offered to do a sonogram so that she could see her baby, which I thought was really nice. Really kind. And they said, you know, we'll do an ultrasound for you. We'll also reschedule your appointment. However, Taylor turned down the offer, which surprised the staff. Because when you're expecting a baby, you jump at any chance to to do an ultrasound and see your baby. Right. And it doesn't mean much to them because, you know, they already have the equipment. So it's just like, yeah, well, how about you? And that's why he offered it because he knew he'd put her in better spirits to see the baby. So she turned it down, but she did reschedule an appointment for the very next day. So medical professionals that were clued into what was going on assumed that Taylor would fake a miscarriage as her due date arrived. Who these medical professionals are, I have no idea. They did not specify that. I mean, anybody. Uh, ask me and i would assume okay she's gonna pretend that there was a miscarriage Mm -hmm. nobody's gonna assume well you know what i think she's gonna do is cut a baby out of somebody right who thinks that so on september 28th reagan sent taylor a snapchat message wishing her good luck on her upcoming delivery so of course reagan believes that taylor's pregnant because she's facebook friends with her she sees pictures of her pregnancy So she's like, oh, good luck. Taylor never responded to the message. Eight days before Reagan was murdered, Taylor searched Facebook groups for teenage pregnancies in Texas. Arcana. Arcana. I don't know why my brain refuses to say that that's okay so usually usually they end it with an a okay instead of tex arkansas yeah that that, time they they spelled it's usually tex arkansas so she actually attended one of these meetings she also searched what the average weight of a 29 week old fetus was as well as private adoptions how to become a midwife one month before the murder she watched videos about vaginal births c-sections and how to inspect a placenta like why not adopt like why not like the teenage pregnancy thing makes sense be like okay hey um if you want to do like some black market thing or i don't know if that's a proper term i'm sorry yeah. but the the, un, the the gray market under market you know something not above board obviously obviously taylor is fine with any of this stuff so why not go to like a facebook group of teenage pregnancies and be like uh dm me you know willing to help or find that i find out the lingo of like i'll take your baby basically i don't think she had any money i think that's well, probably but she can come up with a fake one she'll write a fake check to these you know kids that are pregnant right <sighs> i guess i mean she i never stopped that. her before from buying calves or whatever so two days before the murder taylor searched reagan's previous and current addresses she looked into her OBGYN. she looked up her wedding photos um, and then she sent her a one-word message, Reagan. The number no longer belonged to Reagan. On the morning of the murder, she, she searched how to perform a 35-week vaginal delivery, which was approximately how far along Reagan was when she died. She also looked up how to perform a physical exam on a newborn infant. Connie Griffin, Wade's mom, spoke to Wade about the things she had heard about Taylor not being pregnant. At one point, she spoke to Wade after being contacted by Tommy, and Wade refused to speak with her for four months. So at this point, Connie's like, I don't know what else to do here. I guess the one thing that crossed my mind is why didn't they just say, Taylor, lift your damn shirt. I want to see your stomach. (laughs) 
I think they were. I don't know. Maybe these things are so lifelike that you think that they already saw it because they were feeling her. I don't know. Yeah, they were feeling her stomach over her clothing. Yeah, like you didn't recognize the silicone. Maybe they weren't having intercourse too. Like no, there's definitely no way they were being physically intimate. Yeah, and text messages between them indicated this because Taylor was like, "You haven't touched me in months." Blah blah blah. So there's no way Wade saw her with her shirt off during any of these months. There's no way. So, um, you know, again, Connie is kind of letting it go and just seeing how it's going to play out. So Wade and Taylor argued about the situation. Taylor told him to just wait and see because a baby is coming. And she he would then see that she wasn't lying. So Connie realized that she was not getting through to her son. Again, she's waiting for the deception to just play out. Taylor had always maintained that her due date was on September 19th, 17th. I heard both numbers. But September is coming and it is going and there is no baby. And doctors will only let you go a certain amount of time after your due date. So now we're in the beginning of October. Wade is taking a family medical leave and time to, you know, be home with her and the baby. But at this point in time, she's weeks past her due date. That does not happen. So four days before the murder, Connie tried one last time to convince Wade to just get rid of Taylor, move on with his life. It was the supposed day of Taylor's induction. They're getting ready. She's going to go into the hospital. But a suspicious fire started at Wade's house that knocked the power and the plumbing out. Oh, boy. I wonder how that happened. So Taylor and Wade went over to Connie's to shower. And when they arrived, Taylor told Connie that a bomb threat had been called into the hospital. So her induction was canceled. Connie's she like, called in that bomb threat. Oh, my gosh. Connie's like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. So on the day of Reagan's murder, well, you know, before I go on, it reminded me of Seinfeld when George says he has a house in the Hamptons and Susan's parents know that he's lying. Mm -hmm. So they're like, "Okay, take us, take us to see it. And he does. He drives them all over until there's nowhere else to go. And finally, he has to admit it. I mean, that's what I thought of when I was doing this. Where does this end? Except this isn't funny at all. This is not funny at all. This is sick. This is beyond what you could believe actually happened in real life it's sad so now again um it's the day of reagan's murder and connie went to wade's house and saw that there was a baby bouncer in the living room there's a crib in the bedroom it was filled with baby supplies a large pink bow was on it only hours later connie learned of reagan's brutal murder oh my gosh connie was shocked she always just assumed that taylor would just simply fake a miscarriage she never ever considered that she would have gone to this extent so when wade arrived at the hospital on october 9th at lunchtime three police officers approached him and he was immediately handcuffed and was taken into the station and told that his girlfriend had been accused of brutally murdering Reagan and stealing her unborn baby. He was told that Taylor had never been pregnant and the baby she had found had been found with did not belong to her. So, of course, the officers are believing that Wade might have something to do with this because it's so unbelievable. And, like, you see me with my shirt off all the time because sure we, we live in the same house. And granted, when I hear your footsteps coming and I'm getting ready for work, I'm frantically putting on my clothes so that you don't see me. Yeah. And um, trust me, there's plenty of times that I see you without your shirt on where you don't even know. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. I always is. call you octopus hands. Well, that's uh, I like what I see. So, obviously, the investigators are believing that he must have known because how do you 
you know, go for nine months. You have to know you in an investigation, you know, you have to check everything. And it's like, okay, they were probably both involved. Maybe he pressured her. You know, nobody thinks that, especially, you know, women, you guys are caring and nurturing. And I hate to, you know, just kind of classify a a, a gender, but it's just like uh, she couldn't have done this on her own. And he wouldn't have think that she was, you know, they had to plan this together. There's no couple expecting a baby. Right. So cell phone analysis showed that not only had Taylor gone to the area of Reagan's house on the day of the murder, she had also gone the day before, likely as a trial run. She had been in the area of the home between the hours of 6.31 and 7.56 a.m. both days. The day of the murder, Taylor purchased a talk-a-tone phone number and contacted Reagan with this number on the day of the murder. She actually visited Reagan the night before the murder and gave her a Starbucks gift card to congratulate her on her pregnancy and left just before 10 p.m. Cell phone data showed that she went home. It's likely she never went to bed and actually slept that night. Data connections were made from Taylor's phone throughout the night. She had made five calls to McCurtain County Hospital in Idabel. At 4.28 a.m., she watched YouTube videos on C-sections and births at 35 weeks. She left her house at 5.26 a.m. She ran some errands and then headed to Reagan's house, where she arrived into the area at 7.22 a.m. Reagan was killed between the hours of 7.52 a.m. and 9.14 a.m. At 9.14 a.m., Taylor's burner phone, her primary phone, as well as Reagan's phone, moved away from the scene of the crime. Reagan's phone has never been recovered. The last activity on her phone was a text response to Taylor's phone at 7.52 a.m., just minutes before Taylor walked into her home, for what Reagan would have believed was just simply a friendly visit. Reagan had been getting ready to leave for work when Taylor arrived. How sad is that? And her entire life is gone, and her whole family's like life is ruined, basically, because they don't have their sweet Reagan anymore, because of this absolute nut job, Taylor. All of this happened with a three-year-old present in the house. Ugh. A trustee at the jail testified that Taylor told her that she had originally tried to use a knife from Reagan's house to cut the baby out, but it wasn't working the way she wanted it to, so she went out to her car and retrieved a scalpel. She allegedly said that she had placed the baby against Reagan's cheek and told the baby, tell mama bye. She left the house to go to the hospital so that she could obtain a record of birth. But as she was driving, she noticed that the baby stopped breathing. This is when police officers were pulling her over and she was found performing CPR on Braxlin. So um, when she was pulled over, she quickly tucked the baby's umbilical cord into her pants so that it appeared to the officers that she had given birth in the car. Um, After three weeks of testimony and an hour of deliberation, on Monday, October 3rd, 2022, 29-year-old Taylor was convicted of kidnapping and capital murder. Taylor's attorney argued that Broxlin was never alive and tried to dismiss the kidnapping charge, which would have lowered the conviction to just murder versus capital murder. Oh, my murder. God. Go to hell. Go how about, straight to hell. How about two capital murders? Like that's, like, that's not even worth talking about. How could you as a human being stand up there and say that? And argue this. That is nuts, man. These, these defense attorneys need to go to hell and, like, stop practicing. How so, can you defend this Monster. Monster. After several medical professionals testified that the baby did indeed have a heartbeat, this was dismissed. On Wednesday, November 9th, 2022, a Texas jury sentenced Taylor to death. Especially so Texas. Just over a year ago. Like Texas, where like abortion's illegal, basically, because the baby's like, this is, you know, I, I, not even trying to get political, but I'm just trying to say 
Like, this is a human being. You you killed essentially two people. Yes. So during the trial, Wade Griffin took the stand for more than five hours, and all of the red flags that he should have seen were listed while he acknowledged each and every one of them. He was not charged in connection with the murder or kidnapping. I'm glad. I mean, he went through a lot anyways, and like you said, he's a simple guy. It's just kind of like... Man, he got taken advantage of. And should he have seen these things? Yeah. A hundred percent. But he didn't plan any of this stuff. No. He just was, you know, you're kind of hoping, like, oh, maybe it is real. Maybe I will have a baby. You know, it's all these awesome things that you're thinking about. And, like, obviously, you got your crib and all that stuff. And you're just like, I can't wait to welcome our baby. And you think, who would ever take it this far? Who would actually purchase a crib? Who would produce these sonogram photos, host a gender reveal party? I mean, there are p- pictures of her all over Facebook with a pregnant belly. Yeah. So you just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I guess his life, you know, has really had a lot of troubles. He lost his job. He's in like severe debt and on well, and on. Well, mentally, he's got to be ruined. You right. know? And like you're he, embarrassed, too. Yeah. And he can't trust anybody. And nobody's going to want to be friends with him because it's like, you're an idiot. You didn't know that. And mm-hmm. I'm not calling him an idiot. But, you know, that's just what people are thinking. They're like, I'm not going to talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. During the trial, um, okay, I already read that. During a statement to the court, Reagan's mom, Jessica, referred to Taylor as an evil piece of flesh demon. My baby was still alive, fighting for her babies, when you tore her open and ripped her baby from her stomach. Reagan left this world as she tried to fight this to save the lives of both of her daughters, Braxlyn and Kinley. And this is the horrific and unreal, tragic story of the murder of Reagan Hancock and her unborn baby girl, Braxlyn. I did not expect this whatsoever. Like, and I'm shocked that we never heard about this case. I know. Because I'm, again, she was only convicted last November. Yeah, somewhat recently, right? Yeah. Last November of 2022. I can't believe I had never heard this case because it's just, it's just so disturbing and sad and tragic. Oh my gosh, that's. I mean, uh, it was a lot in the beginning too, and it was so like, so much passion behind it. Like she stabbed her a number of number of times and Mm -hmm. bludgeoned her, and like, you know, poor Reagan who's expecting just to kind of chat real quick after a girl just gave her a Starbucks card. And it's like, okay, well, you want to stop over? And, you know, obviously Taylor's good at pretending, mm-hmm. you know? So she's probably just like, hey, real quick, wanted to share something with you or whatever, you know, something about the babies. And, of course, mothers, you know, want to talk about their babies. And just like, Who I'll be Who would there. ever think? Yeah. And then the scalpel that was found lodged in the back of her neck, like, it was so overkill. Like, yeah, overkill. And it's not even that, like, that is the definition of it, basically. You know, just so... Like so much hate almost, yes. but there was none. Like, I well, think- maybe it was hate and jealousy that you know Reagan had a normal life with a normal relationship that people were being honest to each other, right? Whereas her lot, her life was nothing but lies. Yeah, and I'm sure she, at some point she thought, okay, I'm going to stop lying and it's going to all going to be right, you know. But just that spot never came, and uh, who man Taylor. So she did. You say what she was sentenced for, or whatever. Yeah, I believe she was sentenced to death. I I said, yeah, okay. yeah, she was sentenced to death. Yeah, that's fine. So, ugh, man, <laughs> she shouldn't. I mean, she's definitely capable of doing lots more. Oh my gosh, I mean, she is warped. Yeah, ugh. I'm so sorry to all the families involved here. Like, this is just something that nobody, I mean, any of these stories is something nobody should ever go through. But it's like, you're getting ready to, like, we just had a, you know, our a baby niece in our family. And mm-hmm. it's so much joy and pleasure and just fantastic, like, you know, Christmas photos. And she's just a chubby little darling, you know, we can't wait to see her again. And it's just, man, alive to have that taken out of your daughter and you lose your daughter at the same place. Like, it's, so it's a nightmare. Barbaric. 
And I, I feel so much for that family. All right. I'll stop talking, but I'm so sorry for the entire families involved so thank you for telling us that story and just a reminder for all of us you know sometimes it is it's always good to be safe before you meet with people and stuff nothing that reagan could have done differently oh here. I mean, reagan said nothing yeah I'm not it's more of like it. seeing like if some if you believe somebody's lying to you maybe question a little further right and that's really kind of the the idea that we try to have almost every week it's like okay if there's something going off in your head maybe listen to yourself you know not, we tell our kids that too if right. somebody is telling you who they are believe them yeah and Reagan had no reason to believe. No, Reagan was barely in contact with Taylor. It was like the best thing could have been if, you know, Wade would have. Yeah, that's that's the point of that. If if Wade would have believed Tommy. Yeah. And called it out. And again, you know, I don't know why he didn't believe it. Simple guy. Didn't want to believe it, I guess. Mm -hmm. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you listeners for this. If you like what we do and appreciate what we do, uh, we are not a major media conglomerate like a lot of them out there. Uh, we're just a mom and pop podcast, and uh, I've noticed uh, some of our patrons are being like, just donating to the mom and pop podcast, and uh, it's super cute. So, yeah, what we say, you are Peepaw. <laughs> I am Peepaw. She's and I'm Meemaw. Meemaw. Yes. So, if you'd like to help uh, Meemaw and Peepaw make this into a full time gig, um, you know, if if you ever like, I think I posted a Patreon episode like a couple hours late uh, because I was working. Yeah, you had job. a meeting, and that was bullcrap. <laughs> I was like, hello, our patrons are waiting, and you're keeping them. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, the, the, our patrons are our number ones. So. So uh, no offense to you. Or maybe I could learn how to get on the computer and post these things. Well, I mean, you do like 12 hours of work during the week anyways. (laughs) And the stuff like this stuff specifically, not just your regular job. Okay, I'll let you keep doing the background work. Yeah, yeah. That's the least I can do. So if you like what we do and appreciate it, I mean, even for if you want to join Patreon for a month, that's fine. You can cancel it after a week or whatever, a month. You know, that's cool. But check us out. Go look at the show notes. And uh, we want to say welcome to the latest members of the Crime and Coffee Couple Club to uh, Chelsea, Maida, San or San, Tori, and Amanda. You are all lovely individuals through and through, inside and out, and um, we appreciate each and every one of you. And I will tell you, you get many, many compliments as a patron when we talk to you on our bonus episodes. We do, yeah. So there's 40 episodes, bonus episodes out there. So go ahead and check them out. If you like what we do, you know, throw us some scratch and, uh, yeah, help us to make this into a big thing. And I will again say that we will be making an announcement um, sometime in the next couple of weeks about some new plans we have. So exciting. And we just hope that you guys have a very safe and happy new year um you know if you're setting off any kind of fireworks just watch those little fingies and eyes i know our little shorky puppy here is not going to be pleased tonight we normally have to stick her in a cage in a closet with a sound machine playing and give her a calming little t-r-e-a-t i can't say it because she's sitting next to me doggy weed yeah she well it's like some herbs it's not actually weed i i purchased it on amazon but she gets like a shivery like mess so we have to do that for her for her comfort we hope that you're safe and we will catch you guys in the new year and until next time 